This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Never follow kids. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. So uh, can you think of a more appropriate topic for Mother's Day than the adventure of sacrifice? I mean, think about it. Moms just kind of embody sacrifice, right? Everybody, I want you to do this. I want you just to, to turn to a mom that's sitting around there. It doesn't have to be your mom. Just turn to, to, turn to a mom and say, thank you. Right, go ahead. All right, now turn to them and ask them to do something for you because they'll do it. I mean, that's what moms do. They just, they sacrifice. They exemplify what sacrifice is. Think about it. Starting off, they have to marry men. Right? And then they have to have children and raise children. And so their whole life, that's what moms are. They're, a, they're an example of, of sacrifice. Women are pretty amazing people. All right, guys, that was your chance to say amen. You blew it. Come on, I set them up for you. You got to knock them down. Gee. Well, let me go ahead. Let me go ahead and introduce myself before I get into too much trouble. Because if you're talking about women, no matter what you say, you're going to get in trouble. So, uh, my name is Bob, and welcome to you. If this is the first time that you've been here, it's great to have you with us on this day. And uh, I am the associate pastor here at New Life. And more important than that, I am the son of a wonderful mom and the husband of a terrific wife and mother. And uh, yeah, so I'm not taking any chances. So if you would, uh, if you haven't done it yet, if you take out your New Life notes, they're in your program, and that way you'll be able to follow along. There's some fill-ins, there's some scriptures that you'll want. So if you could pull those out, then you'll have them, and you can use them later on in the week. And just in case you missed the first one, here it was, the son of a wonderful mom and the husband of a terrific mother. I am no fool. So, um, well, we're seven days into the great adventure. Seven days into this journey that we're taking with God, this prayer journey that we're going through. How many of you have been working through the prayer guide? Okay, most of you. Let me encourage you to continue to experience God through that prayer journal or that prayer guide. That is what that prayer guide is all about. If you haven't started it, we have extra ones in the back. We started last week, but you can pick them up today. We've got enough for you, and we'd love for you to start working through that. You can jump in today. You can start back at the beginning. It doesn't matter, but what we want to do is encourage you to continue with God through these 35 days, and so it'll have an impact in your life. So why are we talking about sacrifice in the midst of this great adventure with God? Well, to answer that question, I want to invite you to say with me the prayer that we've been encouraging everybody to pray every day for the 35 days of this adventure. It's up here. Take a look. Will you say it with me? Lord, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will in this church and in our community? Do you realize that's a very dangerous prayer? It's a dangerous prayer. 
To pray and ask God to do his will through you in any area, whether it's your family, your place of work, your neighborhood, that's a dangerous prayer to be coming to God and asking him. Let me ask you this. If God was to answer this prayer and show you what he wanted you to do to help accomplish his will, do you think it would require sacrifice? How many of you say yes? I'm not going to even ask who would say no because you'd be wrong, right? (laughs) Whenever we attach ourselves to God and to his will, it involves sacrifice. Whenever we attach ourselves to God and to his will, it involves sacrifice. And that's a bummer, right? I mean, who likes sacrifice? But we can't get away from it. Listen to some of these verses from Romans. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the worship, the way to worship him. In Matthew, Jesus told them, If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then... Come and follow me. And from Luke, he said to another person, Come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me go return home and bury my father and take care of his estate. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Well, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. In Hebrews, it says, even Jesus, though he was God's son, he learned obedience from the things, what? He suffered. Finally, in Matthew, it says, if you love your father or your mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, You will lose it. Are you convinced yet? When you attach your life to God and to His will, it requires sacrifice. So why do it? Why choose a life of sacrifice? Why set yourself up by praying such a dangerous prayer? Well, the answer to that question is in the end of this verse. It says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will what? You'll find it. See, to truly live, to truly make an impact with your life, to experience purpose and fulfillment in your life, it requires sacrifice. That's why we do it to experience purpose, to make a difference, to really live. No pain, no gain, as the old PE coaches used to say, right? The call to live in a relationship with Christ is a call to sacrifice. Bottom line, the call to live in a relationship with Christ is a call to sacrifice. But think about it. Any healthy relationship 
requires sacrifice, right? Giving in to one another, putting one another's needs before your own needs, right? Thinking more highly of somebody else than you're thinking about yourself. Would any one of us want to be married to a spouse who wasn't willing to sacrifice for us? No, of course not. You see, the opposite of sacrifice is selfishness. Sacrifice versus selfishness. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. It says, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. In 1 John, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Sacrifice versus selfishness. What about Proverbs? Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing. But those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. And finally with Mark, then calling the crowds to his disciples, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. Sacrifice versus selfishness. See, a person who chooses to live a selfish life is going to live an unhealthy life, an unhappy life. See, if you live selfishly, you'll be lonely. An unfulfilled life is a selfish life. That's why moms have such a great reputation, right? Because they're willing to sacrifice for their children. They're willing to sacrifice for their families. Last time I spoke with you, I read you a story. Well, today I'm just going to tell you a story. It's a story of Ruth. It's a story of Naomi. And Boaz. It's a story about love and faithfulness, and it's a story about sacrifice. Let me tell you the story of Ruth, and it was took place a long, long time ago in the Middle East. And there lived a family when the father's name was Emelik, and Naomi was the mother, and they had two sons, and they lived in the town of Bethlehem. And the period in which they were living, it was a time of, of chaos, it was a time of disobedience and idolatry against God, and it was a time of division. And violence it was all taking place in Israel. And in the midst of all that was going on, there was a famine in Bethlehem. And so this family decides to move to a, a nearby country, the country of Moab. And so Emelik moves with his family and they Im- immigrate to this, to this country. Well, after they're there for a season, Emelik, he dies. And so it's the mom, Naomi and her two sons. Well, the two boys, they... Marry two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. An unfortunate name. But the two sons, so they marry these women. And not long after they're married to Ruth and Orpah, the two men die. And so there's Naomi and these two girls. They have no one to care for them, no one to provide for them, and so Naomi says, I'm going to return back to Bethlehem. I'm going to go back to my, my country. And she turns to the two ladies, her daughters-in-laws, and said, listen, ladies, 
I love you, but I, I encourage you, I, I instruct you to go back to your families, go back to your mom, start over again, remarry and have children and have a family. And neither one of the girls want to leave because they so are in love with and enamored by Naomi. Well, finally, Orpah decides to return home, but Ruth says this. This is probably one of the most dynamic quotes on sacrifice and commitment that ever has been said. She says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything, even death, to separate us. Wow. Talk about sacrifice. Well, when Naomi sees that Ruth can't be deterred and she's committed to go with her, Ruth doesn't say any more, I mean, Naomi doesn't say any more to Ruth about it, but invites her along back to Bethlehem. Well, when they get to Bethlehem, it's in the middle of the barley harvest. And so Ruth, to provide for her mother-in-law and to provide for herself, she goes out into the field and she begins to collect the barley off the stalks after the harvesters have come through. And she gathers what little she can and she brings it home. Well, one day the owner of that land, a man named Boaz, he sees Ruth out there working and he asks, who is that, that woman? And they say, it's Ruth, it's Naomi's daughter-in-law. And, and Boaz had heard about her reputation, how she had sacrificed and her, and her love for her mother-in-law. So he tells the men, he says, when you're going through the fields, he says, don't get all the barley off, leave extra on there. So when she's coming through, she'll have plenty for herself and for her mother-in-law. And so Boaz is very kind to her. Well, Ruth returns home to Naomi and she tells them, tells her about Boaz and his kindness. And so for the rest of the harvest season, Ruth stays there and gathers enough to take care of her and her mother-in-law. Well, they come to find out that Boaz is a relative, a close relative of Naomi's deceased husband. So Boaz is an in-law of Naomi. And they had a custom, they had a custom under the Jewish law, it was called the kinsman redeemer. And that meant a near relative would marry the deceased of an in-law so that the family line would continue. And so one night, Naomi tells Ruth, she says, Ruth, during the night, go and find where Boaz is sleeping. Uncover his feet and then lay down next to his feet. So Ruth does this. She goes and lays down at his feet and Boaz wakes up. And one says, who's at my feet? Who are you? What are you doing at my feet? And Naomi says, I mean, Ruth says, it's Ruth. And I'm here because I want to be redeemed. You're the closest kin to my deceased in-laws, and I want you to marry me. Boaz looks at her and says, I would love to marry you. I would love to redeem you. But there's actually another relative who's closer, who's first in line before me, and he would have to first give up his rights. And so he sends Ruth back home, and the next morning, Boaz gets up, and he goes to the town, and he finds his relative, and he says to him, you know, Naomi and her estate, would you be willing to take over her estate and all that that requires? And at first, the man starts to agree, and then he finds out he would have to marry Ruth, and he doesn't want to do that because he doesn't want his inheritance to be jeopardized when they have kids. 
And so he says no, and he refuses to redeem her. So Boaz turns, and he goes, and he finds Ruth. And he says to her, will you marry me? And he becomes her redeemer. And they have a child. And the child's name is Obed. And Obed, because of the Jewish law, also becomes Naomi's grandson. Well, Obed has a son who has a son who has a child who's King David. One of the greatest kings in all of Israel. Who has a son who has a son who has a son who eventually has a child from another, in another family in Bethlehem called Jesus. You see, from Ruth's story, we see that even in times of crisis, even in times of despair, even in times where there's financial hardship and famine and confusion and sorrow, there are those who listen to God. There are those who will follow God's leading. Then God can work through them and do amazing things. We should be encouraged that no matter how bad things get, no matter how difficult life is, how discouraged we get, and empty maybe our life seems at the time, God will use any one of us who are open to him. If we're yielded to him, if we make ourselves available to him, God will work his will in us and through us. Ruth's story is a story of steadfast love. It's a story of salvation and redemption. It's a story of life adventure. All the result of a willingness to sacrifice. All because an individual chose to make a sacrifice. A sacrifice because of her trust and her relationship with God and because of her interaction with God's people. If the most effective teaching method is by example, the story of Ruth gives us this great example about how a life of adventure with God should look. Think about it. Love, loyalty, kindness, honoring the value of other people, the sense of community, the need to love one another, the willingness to sacrifice for one another all stand out in the story of Ruth. They're all part of what an adventure with God in this life looks like. Looks like. In the midst of chaos, in the face of difficulties, during seasons of unknown and hardship, sacrificing for one another in obedience to God is what allows us, no matter how hard things are or how hard things may get, to know that goodness and love exists and that there's a reason to hope. No matter how difficult things get, there is a hope that as we connect our lives with God, God will work in us and God will work through us. But we have to be willing to make ourselves, we have to be willing to make our things available to God and ultimately to others. That's sacrifice. See, like Naomi and, and Ruth, we can't just turn our back on God when tragedy and difficulties hit. When hard times come into our life, 
We still need to stay connected to God. Yes, we may feel angry and we may feel confusion and disappointed with God. We may even express that to God that we don't understand the whys. But we need to look beyond our immediate situation towards God's eternal, ultimate plan. We got to stay available to God because God promises to show himself to us in due time, if we will. See, friends, it's, it isn't what we encounter in life, but it's whom we encounter that makes a difference. It's about living our lives in conjunction with God. It's about living our life in partnership with God and God's plan. Think of Ruth. Think of the events of her life. Think about her adventure in sacrifice. The disappointments as well as the successes that she encountered. They were all part of God's preparation for the birth of David and ultimately the birth of Jesus. And see, just as Ruth was unaware of the larger purpose in her life, see, we not only need to allow God to, I'm sorry, we, not, we might often not know what God is doing in and through us as we walk in obedience to what he calls us to do. We might not always know the full purpose and potential of our life until we look back at it from the perspective of eternity. See, we must make our choices, including our willingness to sacrifice when we have those opportunity with God's eternal values and purposes in place. Because of Ruth's sacrifice, because of her faithfulness, because of her obedience, her life and her legacy were significant even though she didn't fully know what happened in her lifetime. Life in faithful obedience to God will prove rewarding. Yeah, life in faithful obedience to God will prove rewarding. It will give purpose and direction to your life. The sacrifice, the sacrifices that you make for God will not only bring fulfillment and blessing into your life now, they will bring significance into your life that exists beyond your lifetime. Any sacrifice that we choose to make today is a deposit into eternity. So what makes a good sacrifice? What makes a good sacrifice? It says an acceptable sacrifice, one that comes from a yielded and humble heart. God promises not to reject a sacrifice that comes from a yielded and humble heart. So what does that look like? What does it look to like to make a sacrifice with a yielded and humble heart? Well, actually, the Bible makes it quite simple for us. It says this. It says, have faith in God. Trust him with your life. It says, do good. Do good to others. Make an impact into the community in which God has placed you. And share with those in need. Don't be greedy. Don't be selfish. Don't be unwilling to share. 
These are the sacrifices that please God and bring purpose and fulfillment to your life. There's basically two types of sacrifices. There are those that we make willingly. And then there are those sacrifices that the only real control we have over are how we're going to respond to them when they strike in our life. The loss of a job. The death of a child. A chronic illness. But here's the promise. Every sacrifice we make for God will be rewarded. In the context of everything I'm saying, that's what you need to hear, that's what you need to understand, that every sacrifice that we make for God's sake will be rewarded. Following God is not always easy. Right? For Ruth, when she went with Naomi, when she left, it meant leaving the only country she had ever known. It meant leaving the only family she had ever had. It meant learning a new culture. It meant learning a new language. It meant knowing that most likely she would never get married. It meant that there was a good chance that she would never bear children of her own. But it also meant that she would be surrounded by people who worshiped the God that she had found so amazing. It also meant that every day, knowing that God was with her, knowing that she would be connected with God. It meant knowing that one day when her journey in this life was complete, that she would go to live in God's presence. Ruth knew that whatever sacrifices she had to make, whatever the requirements, she would make it because she knew that every sacrifice she made would be rewarded and acknowledged by God himself. In closing, let me ask you two questions. Two questions. With the second, I believe, a lot tougher than the first. Here's the first one. What are you willing to sacrifice to know God more and allow Him to work in and through your life? What are you willing to sacrifice in your life to know God more and allow Him to work in and through your life? Remember our prayer? Lord, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will? What sacrifice are you willing to make to see that happen? It's a question for you to answer. You ready for the second question? The tougher question? What are you, what am I unwilling to sacrifice, to see God work in your life, family, church, and community. What are we unwilling to surrender, to let go of, to turn from, to give? What lengths are you not willing to go to? You see, friends, the answers to that question, the answer to that question is how we truly measure our commitment and our availability to God our faith in God. What are you unwilling to let go of to know God more? Mark 8 says, Then, calling the crowds to join his disciples, Jesus said, If any of you wants to be my follower, 
You must turn from your selfish ways and take up your cross and follow me. If you truly hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Yes. Then Peter began to speak up and he says, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. He said, yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news, you will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. So what's my encouragement? What's my instruction around sacrifice? It's summed up here. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The adventure of a life of sacrifice. Are you willing to take it? The adventure of a life of sacrifice. Are you willing to take it? Are you willing to risk? Risk failure. Risk scorn. Sacrificing your pride, your prestige. Making yourself available to love and serve others. The adventure of sacrifice. Are we willing to take it? I'd like to end by having you watch a video. It's an inspiring video of someone who was willing to risk many things for the possibility of an adventure beyond imagination in life. Take a watch. My name is Susan Boyle. I'm nearly 48, currently unemployed but still looking. And I'm going to sing for you on Britain's Got Talent today. That's nervous. Yeah, sure, no. Yeah, well, that's, that's not surprising, but, you know, trying... I've got a fighting wood, you know, at the moment. I live in Moline with my cat called Pebbles. Well, I've never been married. <clears throat> never been kissed. Oh, shame. <laughs> but it's not an advert. <laughs> and have you done this for many a year? Since I was 12. Since you were 12? I've always wanted to perform in front of a large audience. I'm going to make that audience rock. Hi, what's your name, darling? My name is Susan Boyle. Okay, uh, Susan, and where are you from? I am from Blackburn, near Bathgate, West Lothian. It's a big town. 
It's a sort of collection of, it's a collection of uh, villages. I to think there. And how old are you, Susan? I am 47. <laughs> and that's just one side of me. Okay, what's the dream? I, I'm trying to be a professional singer. And why hasn't it worked out so far, Susan? Well, I've never been given the chance before, but here's hoping it'll change. Okay, and who would you like to be as successful as? Elaine Page. Elaine Page. Like what are you going to sing tonight? I'm going to sing I Dreamed a Dream from the Miserables. Okay. Big song. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Susan Piers. Without a doubt, that was the biggest surprise I have had in three years on this show. When you stood there with that cheeky grin and said, I, I want to be like a lame page, everyone was laughing at you. 
No one is laughing now. That was stunning. An incredible performance. Amazing. I'm reeling from shock about you two, but... I am so thrilled because I know that everybody was against you. I honestly think that we were all being very cynical and I think that's the biggest wake-up call ever. And I just want to say that it was a complete privilege listening to that. It was brilliant. I knew the minute you walked out... Oh, Simon! ...on that stage that we were going to hear something extraordinary, and I was right. Not a lot of touch. Susan, you are a little tiger, aren't you? Oh, I don't know about that. You are. OK, moment of truth. Piers, yes or no? The biggest yes I have ever given anybody. Amanda? Yes, definitely. Brilliant. Amanda, Susan Boyle, you can go back to the village with your head held high. It's three S's. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.